Rabbit Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. And we're going to have a Duff McKagan joke of the week, but it's going to be live. You're going to have to wait for it. It's going to be later on in the show because Duff is here on Talk is Jericho. That's right. The long-awaited, highly anticipated return of Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Guns N' Roses bass player, Duff McKagan. Uh, He's back to tell us a joke uh, and more. He's going to talk about tenderness, his new solo record, uh, what the Guns N' Roses reunion tour had to do with the making of it. He's going to give us a little history lesson. He's a very well-read gentleman. Uh, Duff visits a lot of cool historical sites on his days off from tour. He's sharing a few of his recent adventures. He's also talking about the Guns N' Roses not in this lifetime tour, giving us some insight into how things went on the road, why the guys kept adding dates while they're still playing, and the magical question whether Guns N' Roses might be planning on working on some new music soon. He says he's having a blast with Axel and Slash and the guys. You're going to hear all about it. We're going to get our rock on right here with Duff McKagan, the tenderness, jokes, and GNR right here on Talk is Jericho. I'm super sore, Chris Jericho. Why are you super sore, Duff? My abs. I can barely move, actually. Really? Yes, I did um, Pop Pilates, getting ready for the wedding apps. Is it your daughter's wedding? Or whose wedding? No, that's just what they're called on oh, the YouTube. Oh, <laughs> and and let, me add, let me tell you this. It's not how you look in your wedding dress. Uh-huh. It's how you feel in your wedding dress. Good advice. It's very positive. For all the upcoming Ten- brides listening to this show. Or dudes who uh, want to do this video and because you did it because your daughter's doing the getting ready for the wedding. Mm-hmm. She's not getting married. It's just okay. a, the proverbial wedding. Yes. And I was in the gym going, bah, I can do that. I've kicked box and my abs are yeah, right. kicking. And she's like, all right, dad, why don't you, why don't you do this with me? 10 minute abs with the, with the girl, Cassie Ho is her name. Cassie Ho. H O. Okay. So before you think anything else, Chris Jericho, <laughs> It's just a name. I'm not about to get your mind out of the gutter. I'm, I'm assuming that she's maybe Asian. She is. Okay. That would be H O. I believe that would be single uh, syllable. That would be a, a Chinese name. This is a real. That's a real. Well, because multi syllables. That's Japanese, right? And then uh, the hyphenated. That's Vietnamese. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Right, or 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 like when N G U, you know, mm-hmm. W is N G and right the, with Vietnamese the weird pronunciation. Yeah. Okay, so I think H O it would be Chinese. Okay, so she's Chinese, maybe doing a ten minute workout ab workout. Abs. Right. So I thought I'll I'll get and do this this ab workout. You know, it's just this girl like you know getting ready for the wedding. I'm so sore. I can barely move. Like getting out of bed this morning was was a whole thing. Well, what kind of abs are you doing? Like, what, what does she have you doing? You know, um, sit ups. Yeah, yeah, you sit ups and things, and reaching your toes and doing this <laughs> other stuff, and then she's quickly to the other thing, and then you're on your you're doing side things, oblique things yeah. up. You're up on your heels, and she's and she's talking through this whole thing, mm-hmm. telling stories about her getting wedded ready for her wedding. And I'm like, how are you even talking, you bitch? <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, I've learned my lesson. Uh, but, that's, but you, you, we talk about this every time. You're always very fit and cognizant of your workouts. Uh, yeah, it's part of your daily routine now. I like doing new things to shock it up. Yes, and I know you. We Chris yeah. Jericho showed up at my house. He's kind of swole right now. And it's like, by the way, it's like before 9 a.m. We're the two worst rock stars ever. You text me at like 6.40 and said, by the way, if you're up, I'm hanging out. I'm like, okay, I'm up. Well, this is part of our work, isn't it? Because That's true. Because we get up early. If I, I got to fly to London today. Mm-hmm. So to combat the 72 hours of straight work I got to do when I get there, um, you get up early. You try to get on London time. So the last couple of days, I got up earlier and earlier. Flight is later today. I had to switch some flights around. So hopefully by like 6 p.m. Pacific Coast time on the plane, I'll be able to go to sleep and I'll wake up. And so I'll you be... try and prepare for that when you go over to another country? Yeah, I'll pre-prepare. Because it's hard to to deal with jet lag. Like I just take it as it comes. Yeah. I never put any preparation into anything. Maybe I should try that. I do. I, do. I got a whole system. So you, uh, you try and wake up earlier so that you're acclimated to go to bed earlier, which will help you. Today I woke up... A, a, 4 a.m. That's like noon. Right. 
It's like, yeah, eight hours ahead yeah. from LA. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you really, so, but you gradually got to do that like three, four days mm -hmm. be, before. And that if usually, you can. That usually, and that works okay for you? It does. At least psychologically, I know I prepared just like anything else. If you're getting in the ring, if you know you prepared, you get in the ring, you're more confident. If I know I prepared to go to London to do this thing, I'm more confident in that I won't be jet lagged and nothing a Red Bull or five won't take care of. Right. But on the other side of the coin, you can't take like a Tylenol PM or anything. You don't because you don't take anything anymore. No, but I'll take melatonin. Oh, okay. Yeah. My new thing, like Susan my wife she uh dr drama me she used to mm. give it to the kids right long flights like, like seasickness pills basically yeah right? right she gave me one on a flight back from new york just take one of these you need to sleep I'm like this won't put me to sleep it's drama me it's mm. for i was out <laughs> so that's maybe a new thing right non-addicting you can do do that natural yeah. i think natural whatever ish <laughs> natural ish yeah. um and you mentioned you're going to london uh, to do press for your solo album yeah tenderness is the name right and we've been talking about this for a few months because you've been very gracious to call in a joke of the week for about the last two years yes and i started hearing about the solo record and about how you had written this record based on your experiences uh on the guns and roses tour correct um, in a way, yeah, and I'll get you the liner notes at some points that I, I wrote. I basically wrote. I was going to write a book. Mm -hmm. This this album was going to be a book. The original idea was not so much uh, the inner workings of the Guns N' Roses camp at all. We're keeping. I mean, that's. I love that we've done no press. And, None. And we've I think kept, the only interview you did was the last time you were on Talk Is Jericho. You are the only interview that was done right during that tour. And it's because it's you. Yeah, you know, we're bros. That. Did you have to ask permission for that? Or no. tell some or you guys are pretty much understanding that we're not doing press, but you don't actually have to Yeah, we're grown grown dudes. Gotcha. Yeah, we we kind of made this pact, but then it's it's you and yeah. we're we're up in Calgary or Winnipeg. It's Winnipeg. Yeah, we Winnipeg. talk more about appetite rather than the reunion or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And um anyhow, and I and I love that old mystique about a rock Great. and roll band and and i think that's really missing in i this, agree in this day and age of like where everything whoa hold on sorry guys cool that's a blackberry ringtone by the way anybody just curious good. it's very loud it's very powerful i usually don't have my ringer on okay so you decided, but i was waiting for you said to turn your, on for the interview yeah for the interview <laughs> exactly um but anyhow, out the there, speak and rock and roll is what we were talking about, which I think is so cool because you're right. Everybody's so open with their social media, etc. Right, and this and this band, you know, we we were formed before the internet and before, really, I think even cell phones. Mm -hmm. You know, in that that sense of, uh, and I've really turned off the internet. I've turned off the cable news. You know, I was getting so wrapped up into. Let's see, January, say, January 2015, like like I, probably everybody else that's listening, I got, it's like crack cocaine, man, like the cable news. And, and it was, the, the, the debates were going on and I was watching like John Kasich because a friend of mine was his campaign manager. He said, watch this guy. He's re Republican in, in America running. And... Uh, uh, and I was watching all these different things and I, I voted every, I vote for every, I'm a nerd. You know, I've been voting since I was 18, little local things in Seattle, everything. I, me and my buddies that we've grown up together, we get on the phone to talk to each other <laughs> City about council or yeah, whatever, maybe, referendums right? and yeah. whatnot. But January 2015, I really noticed myself and my wife noticed me watching all the different like going from cable channel to cable channel news they, it's quote unquote news and i'm smart enough about this man i read so much history and i am aware like they're changing their formats they're getting these panels on the, on the news and they're screaming over each other but it is like crack man you're like oh mm -hmm. and you start following people on twitter that you see on there and uh i got caught in up into it and i knew this formula was just they were hiking the rates of their, their ads and doing all this stuff. And I was falling for it all, getting agitated, getting on Twitter, follow, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, turn on the news, look at my Twitter. Then we started rehearsing for the tour. 
Um, I was still doing it. Now it's now it's. Wait, I said I, I meant December 2015 is when I started this. January 2016, we start rehearsing. I'm still doing this, watching the news, working out, watching the news. The worst thing ever, man. <laughs> Going to rehearsal. We'd rehearse for like seven hours. After we got done, we'd, we'd talk about politics. This went on for three months of rehearsal. We went out on the tour, and uh, my wife was said, you know, just turn off the TV you know, mute the people that you followed on the, mm-hmm. on the Twitter. Just go back to your Seahawks stuff that you follow <laughs> and the Mariners stuff that you follow. And uh, I did that. I made this really conscious effort at, at stepping away. And so what my point to all of this is once I did that in, in about a week, the quality of my life became so much better. And because I read so much history, uh, I love on the road going out and seeing the things I read about. Oh, okay. So I go to, I went to yeah, Monticello, right? We're playing DC and then the next gig is Atlanta and I got Tadao with me, you know, you yeah. know Tadao. Yeah. And security I, guy. Yeah, security yeah. guy. But he's always become a history buff along with me because I'm so interested in all this stuff. Let's go to where Thomas Jefferson, you know, lived. Great. That's off the beaten track. We're not playing anywhere in Virginia. Let's go here and nobody will know, won't yeah. notice me coming in there. You know, it's not like I'm going to the museum right next to the gig we're playing That's at. Right, right, right. And I, you, when you go to places like this and do the tours, you talk to people and you blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, in New Orleans, I went and did the, the, uh, went with the alligator guy on the airboat, you know, okay. and who knew, you know, you don't talk about politics to anybody. I noticed like alligators eat marshmallows. Who knew? And we talk about, he was telling me he's done this for 40 years that the marshes are, are drying up hmm. where he's been for all this time and interesting things. And uh, I went to the world war one museum in Kansas city on a trip between Denver and little rock, not very good routing, by the way. <laughs> I went to Little Bighorn in, in Montana. We didn't play Montana, but we played Minneapolis and then Denver. So the drive in between, let's go there. And in these places I visited. This so when, when, you, when you're doing that on a Guns N' Roses tour, do, yeah. are you just, do you have your own bus that you yes. take there? Okay, gotcha. So you're still the driver. We're taking a little detour today. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And, and and I get everybody into it. And then Susan gets me one of those goofy little state park passports. You can get stamps in. <laughs> But this divide that I've been seeing on the news and like thinking it must be there, right? Because they're ta- that's all they're talking about, this divide. I just didn't see it, Chris. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it. Man. The political divide? The political divide. Yeah, this this real big divide. Yeah, between the, 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 the red and the blue. And no state was red or no state was blue, too, I noticed. It was just people. Yeah. And... Uh, so this divide, it was, I just realized it was a new selling point. It would keep you on the TV and, and keep you there long enough so you'd watch the, the ads on the cable news and wait for them to come back and right. talk more about the divide. And and then we traveled outside of America, of course, and just I kept doing, I'd do all my nerdy historical things, traveling, and i go to weird gyms, and I'll go to boxing gyms and in newcastle or some mm-hmm. you know whatever manchester some rusty boxing yeah. gym and 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 just get out and talk to people and maybe maybe i talk too much to people <laughs> you know like yeah. i'm one of those guys like tell me more about this and uh and in all of this kind of realization that the world we have so much more in common way more in common with each other than, than what separates us. And I know you know this from all your travels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All the people you meet, all you're like me. You mm-hmm. do nerdy crap and, and you, you have to. I never wanted to be one of those guys that just slept the whole day away and don't see anything. And I've seen enough castles in Scotland, but there's other things to go. I, I try and do something every day. Yes. Whether it's like walking to the markets or I walked in around in a mall in Oslo when I was there because there's nothing else around, but at least I saw a mall in Oslo and yeah, weird right. little shops and yeah. you know what I mean? At least you have a memory of it rather than just gig, bus, airport, venue, whatever, right? Sometimes that's all it is. It yeah. It is. It's a mall. Yeah, yeah, right. right. That's, that's correct. But you're out mm-hmm. doing stuff. So I started writing little beginnings of chapters of a book of, of 
I read some really great books while I was out on the road. J.D. Vance's Hillbilly Elegy. If anybody's read that, they'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, Sarah Kandahor's View from the Flyover Country. I also read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Uh, not apropos to anything. Mm -hmm. It was just a book that was on my list to read. to read it, yeah. And um, those books kind of fed, fed me some information about certain subjects. And I, and I, and I thought, well... Maybe I'll write it. I've written two books. I wrote columns for five years. And maybe I'm a trusted voice enough to just write about my experience of, of the world right now in an in inarguably uh, interesting time in our history. Mm -hmm. And kind of try to highlight the fact that, yeah, while there is, there are problems, there there is stuff going on, there is cable news, there is people trying to, <laughs> you know, turn you one way or another that we, we're, we're all way more alike and have so much more in common. And and I think most of us think talking about politics face-to-face -face is, is a rather base thing. We don't do it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's rather it's rather tacky. Sure. Right? Politics and religion, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, my, my mom, you know, like in our, we, we learn, don't, you don't talk about money, politics, mm -hmm. or religion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of tacky. Yeah. Um, so I found that people are like that. And I started writing these sort of chapters. And, and one day, the rare occasion I was in my hotel room, I travel with acoustic guitar always. And uh, I was playing an E major chord and I was reading this part and it's everybody's lying. I need some truth. Everybody's trying to push you the views. And it was, this was the beginning of a chapter, but it rhymed by chance mm -hmm. and uh, became this first song on my record called It's Not Too Late. Duff McKagan's new solo album is called Tenderness, and that's also one of the songs on the record. Tenderness, the song, really sums up the intent of the record. The, the last song on the record is called uh, Don't Look Behind You, and that that's that sums up the whole record. It, it ends on a like kind of a positive note, meaning don't dwell on the things of the past. We're going to move together forward in a positive way, like we've always done. Mm -hmm. And and because I do read so much history, ever since I got sober, so for the last 25 years, I think my wife says, I always blame everything on my <laughs> wife, don't I? Uh, but nearly a thousand history books in the last 25 years. That's what you've read? That's what I do. Wow. It's kind of what I it's do. your new addiction. <laughs> well, it kind of is because I'll read about the Battle of Gettysburg, let's say. So you read one book about it, but you need to get another mm, angle of perspective, the, right? Right. So then I'll read um, uh, a, a, a Southern book about Gettysburg, and then I'll read a Union book about it. Then I'll read uh, Lee's, and then Grant's take, and then you know uh, 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 Chamberlain, and all these different generals, and there's all these books. And in there somewhere is the real story. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't rely on just one source for your, your news I, I, or your information. I, I read the great book, Band of Brothers, about D-Day. Then that's the e Easy Company, mm -hmm. uh, 101st Airborne, and made into a, a yeah, series. It's a miniseries, right. And, but I also read a story, uh, a book, of, of a journalist who was a, a German who was embedded with these kids who were at Normandy in those pillboxes. Hmm. They were they were greenhorns, these kids. And this guy just suddenly was embedded with them, a journalist. And suddenly this this armada shows up. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're that and it was their backwards journey all the way to Berlin. Just terrified. Mm -hmm. Um so um I guess my point to that is it really opens up my scope of history and i'd really try to apply that you know things do repeat themselves too bad that they repeat themselves too too often too often yeah and uh, we don't learn from from our history but i think reading history is really valuable you know if you want to further your intellect about stuff it really takes away stuff that's going on currently like if you agree or disagree with a current administration or not doesn't really matter it's just politicians this mm -hmm. you know it will change we'll be pissed off about something else in two years completely different i guarantee you 
so so from reading all the uh, that does that help you lyrically help you with the record yes yeah yes it did i mean it helps me history helps me write reading good uh writers helps me write period and um yeah i i think i had a great perspective of traveling the traveling the world during this two and a half years playing these gigs that you know, when you come to our shows, nobody asks who you vote for. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a political show. It's not. Right. Well, and, and rock and roll, even though most rock and roll, you there's political messages in there ever since. There, there is, but I don't want that, you know, at an ACDC show or a Guns N' Roses show or an Iron Maiden show or, or a Metallica show. I mean, if you go to U2 or, or Springsteen, you go to the Stones, there's no politics. Right. It's just rock and roll. I guess what I mean, not not politics in your face, like preaching this is the way it is and this is the way we think, but rock and roll from its inception and by definition is rebellion. Sure. So there's messages in there like, it's us against yeah. the man, right. you know? Right, right, and right, right. that's that's good rock and roll. Yes. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the man isn't necessarily the politician, but the man is kind of... I mean, I remember back to punk rock days, late 79, 80. The man we knew then was like the lobbyists and the people who were 10 steps ahead of us. And so we're down here arguing about some local political move when it's so out of our control. So, you know, we were young, like 16 years old, the man, you know, (laughs) the man. But we did know then it wasn't really the politicians. It wasn't the mayor, the governor, the president. It was like... The big hands above all of that, moving mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 rock and roll. We're all in that together, you know. We know, like, there's sort of we're all in this thing together, and and it's it's a man, and that's rock and roll, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sure it so, is. Yeah. So that's politics to me, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's got that that uh, rebelliousness. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, well, I was talking about you too. They'll they'll do a song about Desmond. Tutu or something, Bishop yeah. Tutu or something along those lines. That that's a little bit more of the pol- political side of rock and roll. I got to have tea with that Bishop Desmond. You Tutu did in in yes Cape Town. Really, the night he is a deity. He is a he has got something extra to him, man. We got in that room. Is it recently? A few years ago. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, you got and, in that room and what? And it, it, there's something special extra to that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a what a amazing man! I don't know what you two did, but I I, don't, I just that's I, just I, an aside. I just use that as an example. Yeah. I don't think they have a song about Be- Desmond Tutu. Maybe <laughs> they should. Bono, if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lyric. A lot of involvement with, with Shooter Jennings. Yeah, I, I saw your European tour poster, and you're actually touring with him. Right. Is he in your band? Is he doing his own thing and you're doing your own thing? Shooter and his band is my band. Okay. And they, so I had, so I started putting these songs together, right? right? And all on acoustic guitar. And um, that's been the idea of this becoming a record, a very soft sort of record. It is, yeah. And a record, I, I wanted to do a musical record like this for 20 years. And I thought the message uh, would be clearer if the music was quieter mm-hmm. and more restrained and kind of like if you go to see somebody talk at a book talk or something and the mic isn't quite loud enough and you're everybody's straining to hear what he says yes he or she and you really listen you and have I, to yeah right and so i kind of that was my intention with with this record and shooter jennings is a guy i met in 2001 when he moved here moved to Los Angeles from Nashville and he was in this band called Stargun and you know that thing Jericho you've been out there long enough out of every 10 musicians who are just kind of starting there's one one of those 10 that you know is a true believer is gonna Mm -hmm. is gonna be a lifer the other nine you're not too sure right and Shooter I recognize he was 21 they opened for Loaded for three shows Stargun and the rest of his band while being Great. I, I recognize Shooter as one of those. This is obviously Waylon Jennings' son, right? I didn't know that at the Okay, beginning. gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know he was Waylon's kid. Yeah. You know, he was just a guy shooter from Nashville. And uh, we've remained friends since then. Uh, he's had a, this wonderful career. And now he's producing records mm-hmm. as well. Uh, he's writing a record with 
Manson right now. Hmm. Like he's kind of all over the place. He he won a Grammy for Brandy Carlisle's record. Wow, uh, just a, this year. Yeah, yeah. And he is a wonderful musical mind. And getting together with him on these songs, that first day we got in a room together, you're not sure if that's going to work because you've never done music with the guy before. And it, and it worked that first day. Us doing it, it it just it was just a perfect match. And we both recognized that, and we just went in. He suggested we use his band, mm-hmm. um, le- at least try it. He thought they could really um, do the material justice, understand it, play with restraint, and they really did. And uh, it was re- um, an amazing musical experience for me. And uh, it's kind of the in-between t- time. We-, we had come off tour, I was kind of making recording the songs in between a couple of our legs. Oh, okay. So now I'm trying to hook up some... I've, I've already done it. I've hooked up songs. Uh, this song called Cold Outside about homelessness. I went to the Union Gospel Mission in Seattle. They took me on a search and rescue uh, thing to this place called The Jungle. Mm-hmm. It's probably the gnarliest homeless camp in America. In Seattle, it's in Seattle. Wow, yeah, Seattle's homelessness thing is very visible, uh-huh. very, very kind of large. Uh, but it, so we're hooking up a thing through Union Gospel Mission for fans to get involved. I went up and and met homeless people. Nobody asked me for it. it. wasn't about asking for a dime or you know, it was just about they wanted you know there was a there was a human connection there in that camp that I had with people. They didn't know who I was. Right, I was just a guy that these guys from Union Gospel Mission who used to live in the jungle and they were strung out and whatnot uh, got sober and now are kind of returning. So so what, what is your what is your tie-in with the record? You're, you're donating a song to that? or, or I'm, I'm trying to get fans involved. Right. So you can you rack up points by doing things with Union Gospel Mission. Really? Uh, going up and, and going on the search and rescue missions and giving out socks and hopefully just meeting taking that fear that stigma away between a guy like me who walks a little faster got my keys in hand don't want to make eye contact Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh from taking uh people from that like me to i got a far greater understanding by going into the camp and talking to people one guy was in an industrial band and he worked at the phoenix underground club in seattle for seven years he knew a guy i i know Right. And the walking papers. Hmm. Uh, so, the, but he's been homeless for ten years now. He, he said, I, "When you're that this long, the ten years really hit me. Hmm. And when you're homeless for that long, it's really, really hard to get back yeah. into. And I can I, see that. I, I don't know how to. And uh, so, I'm trying to just bring some con- connectivity. So, what do you mean you can get points? You get points if you do the more stuff you do, and then if you get point enough points, you, you it's it's kind of goofy. But I don't care. It's not like goofy, you, you though. Can, you can win a, a base, one of my bases. So, so you, you can get flown out to one of my shows. So you have this like on your website or is it yes. in the album or whatever that if you go do this homeless excursion and do this, this, and this, and you can prove it, then you get 100 points. And with 100 points, yeah. you get a Duff McKagan base. That's really That's cool. That's correct. I've and, never and, heard that before from, from an artist. Right. And it's through this organization called Propeller. They propel... Different uh, nonprofits. So we're doing suicide prevention because I have a song called Feel that I wrote about uh, uh, Scott Weiland, uh-huh. Chris Cornell, Chester, and Prince. And it's drug addiction and and, and depression and suicide prevention. So um, there's another organization. If you go to my website, you'll, you'll see it all. That's really cool. Yeah, so trying to, to do something good with this record in this time of this seeming divide and whatnot the the thing that's gonna heal us is the thing that always does is us helping each other and um one, one person at a time we don't have to solve it all right now i don't have the solutions you probably don't have a solution to solve homelessness all over mm-hmm. america and canada and mental illness and suicide prevention and drug addiction but i think one person at a time and i'm gonna make my little effort here uh, with this record and that's the intent of the record and we're going to go out and tour the, the songs the band is is really great and i think people will in, really enjoy this these songs and with this band 
and uh, so it's all good. It's really uh, interesting to me because even when we first met when you were touring with Loaded, then you go do this massive stadium tour with Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. and now you're going back to doing clubs with, yep. with, with, with Shooter. You just like to play. Mm-hmm. Does it matter to you if it's a stadium, if it's a club, the pros and cons to both? I like to create music. That's I mean, I can't help myself. You see the, the acoustic guitar sitting all around oh, the house, yeah. right? Except in, in this room, no, which is odd. <laughs> this is the TV room. Though. Yeah, but usually there's a bass sitting in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I really like, man, since I was, you know, a young kid, like writing my first song at 13, not knowing how to write a song, but... Do you remember what it was called? Uh, the first song I wrote is called The Fake. It's on a single, The Veins, and I sung it. It's before my voice even changed. <laughs> but it was about this this girl in, you know, it looks like middle school, like junior high school. She's a fake, man. <laughs> first song I wrote Stop was, being so fake. First song I wrote was Stick It. Stick It? Yeah, just stick it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stick it. A little, you know, the, little, the riffs that you write when you're 13. Sure. Like, this is awesome, man. This is the best song <laughs> ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I I, I, I can't not create, write songs. I mean, I write a song probably every day, mm-hmm. you know, and I have my garage band just full of stuff and I try to title it. Then yeah. I get, I look at my garage band, it has so much stuff and, and uh, even my cell phone has a bunch of just like riffs and, and yeah. then I, I'll get back from a tour and I'll try to put those all, maybe make demos of them downstairs here at the house or whatever to try to kind of get them more official. Um, but they always go someplace. And and this was playing all these wonderful shows we played, 159 gigs. And we were and we were writing, you know, riffs and stuff at Soundcheck and whatnot, but like writing this record with with intent of uh, putting these these words I'd written to to um, a melody and, and songs was a, just another outlet. I think mm. it's, for me, it's super healthy. I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. You know, I go to the gym and I write songs and I read and history. And, I, history and, and then when I get out and play shows, you know, I let it all hang out and mm. it's never phoned in. And uh, that's my life. I, you know, my, my, my wife and my daughters are my life first and foremost. And then the rest of it is just super aggressive. You know. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the shows with, with like with Guns N' Roses. You mentioned 159 gigs, and I saw two of them or three of them, and long shows. I yeah. mean, you guys are playing for three hours. It's like 25 songs, 26 songs. You got songs like November Rain and Paradise City, and you know Rocket Queen. They're over six minutes, eight yeah. minutes, nine minutes. Coma, I think, is about Coma is about 10, I think, or to At 13. Least, yeah, is. It, Getting into gig shape to play a three-hour show, did you guys know it was going to be a three-hour show? Or was it one of those things where it kept getting longer and longer? Because you're playing Glenn Campbell covers. Like, you guys are obviously having a great time. Adding, like, yeah. Just whatever should we play tonight, you know? Yeah. Um, the gig shape, physically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did, 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 when you guys started this tour, did you say these are going to be three-hour shows? Or was it just, did it morph into that because you were having fun with it or yeah i mean I, nothing was ever said it's just i mean number one our catalog um we we played one show at the forum to end up one leg we played four hours and Gosh. nobody left you know like right we just like if people start leaving it would probably be like okay well let's you know <laughs> yeah let's wrap it up but um we were having so much fun and it didn't seem like four hours to us and i i've heard from you know people in the audience it didn't seem like four mm-hmm. hours um but we have enough material, like I guess, to do, to do that kind of a thing. Especially, you know, Glenn Campbell passed, and we were in um, Wake Forest, I think, playing the there's a football stadium there. And uh, Axel came in. He's like, "Man, I, I really, I'm really sad by Glenn Cam- Campbell's loss, like his demise." And he had watched that documentary. Uh, oh yeah, I'll right? be me. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so we said, you know, like Lyman for the county. Let's let's try doing this song. Would you? Could we do this, you guys? And listening to that song, that band. I think that was the L.A. Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. who recorded mm-hmm. that band. Oh, man, yeah, there's a lot going on, right? 
And you don't notice it until you listen to it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and we, so we really, that was a challenge. And doing that song is, it's um, it's a tough little song to do. So hopefully, you know, we'll add more stuff like that. And we'll probably add, add and subtract, you know, as we go along. But Because uh, you guys are still going. You have more shows announced, or at least there's a few in the States even now. Headlining yeah. festivals here. Yeah. It's like it just you you just keep adding shows. Yeah, it's it's very man. I I can't really explain. It's just very it's very positive. Mm-hmm. Everything about the inner workings of that thing and and uh, you know the best thing that come out of this whole thing was just the the three of us talking again. Mm-hmm. I think we probably talked about mm-hmm. that before. And um, from from that from communication and and real kind of appreciation for each other and a work work ethic of each other you know watching axel warm up for an hour and a half before a show then playing three and a half hours and then warming down for an hour and a half i'm already eating eating my dinner yeah and i'm in bed with a book you know he warms down for an hour and a half, hour and a half yeah that's unbelievable i've always heard that he did a big warm down warm downs yeah really yeah he's he's he doesn't miss one mm. because i mean you know, you vocal cords you're a singer there's these what? two little things, and and the Axel's range is so high and gritty. I mean, yeah. that's as guys get older, sometimes the quality goes down, but it never did with him in ACDC either. Yeah, when I think he's ACDC. just better than he's ever been. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's become a master, mm. and I think you know he was he was born with natural talent. He developed it a lot more than I think I ever knew when we were kids. He he worked on it hard. But now to be to keep this thing up, he has to do this. He has to be really he'll go to the gym, gig day, get to his room, get in the shower, start his his warm ups, you know, and and to come to the show. It's it's time to go, we play, and then the warm downs. And in watching Slash, he just plays guitar all day long, and then plays guitar <laughs> yeah, all through the game. all night long. Yeah, you know, and and um, watching that work ethic i have a good work ethic too but that that keeps me on my toes Mm -hmm. like watching those two guys Mm -hmm. you have to keep up and um i've I've just gained a whole new appreciation for those guys and everybody in that band for Mm -hmm. sure everybody it you know it's it's hard working band when we go to rehearse we rehearse six days a week um to get ready for this thing we did it for three months Mm -hmm. and that's seven and eight hours a day yeah you know it's it's real you almost have to get in rehearsal shape because right. gigs you get to run around yeah, yeah, yeah. you at least get some blood flowing right right rehearsals are standing there was that something I, I was thinking about this before like when you guys first started with that band because you go it was a five piece now it's seven or eight it's almost like the stones now where it's duff axel slash and then you've got five or six other players yeah uh for the players for the players yeah yeah because I always thought, like, because the people were always thinking, well, why, why isn't it the original five and this kind of thing? But Axel had been playing with those guys for ten years. Some of them, he's not going to ditch all of his guys. Right. I didn't think that that was ever anything that would be possible. Was it cool, kind of melding the two bands together? Was it? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't really look at it that way. Yeah. Frank, I had played with the drummer Frank mm-hmm. um, and Richard. Those guys. They're great players, right? And and they're fellas, you know. Like uh, I don't know if you're out on the tour. The uh, when they were in the Dead Daisies, yeah, at Kiss Cruise we played with them. Richard was on it. Okay, yeah. I did the um, the Monster uh, Uproar, yeah, yeah, tour right. with Loaded, and and the Daisies were on that. And you know, I I those are like like the guys in like Loaded or like the guys in your band, mm-hmm. just guys you like to hang out right. with. Yeah, good, dudes, players, yeah. good players, good um, players. Um, so that wasn't a a big it didn't seem like a melding of bands frank's a great drummer mm-hmm. richard's ridiculous great rhythm, player rhythm guitar player yeah, great player so it's like okay cool right you know fine uh, dizzy's been there since illusions yeah and so that wasn't mm-hmm. anything dizzy's dizzy adding um melissa, melissa in she's wonderful in so many different aspects her her backup vocals i i sing a lot and we, her and I sing together. Mm. Um, so that's a whole nother trip down a discipline, which is singing backups to, to Axel. A lot of falsetto, a lot of... Um, you sang a lot, too. I know I was watching yeah. on that tour. There's a lot of backup vocals. Yeah. 
And so her and I working on all that stuff. So she's kind of invaluable when it mm-hmm. comes to that. And then all the stuff she does, God knows what she does over there. A multi-instrumentalist, she, yeah. you would say, right? Yeah. Was, was there ever a thought of trying with the original five guys? Sure. Mm-hmm. But just there were some things that were almost just impossible, mm-hmm. you know, to to get to work. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we didn't try. And... um and with Steven, it was it was great to at least bring him out mm-hmm. where, where he could and, and play a couple songs. Uh, this is a long set, like you said, gig shape. You got to train like a, a pro athlete. Yeah. Not any different. And you got to train like I'm 55, you know, a 55 year old. I got to train like a, I'm 28, 25. So that takes a lot of, takes. you got to be, you have to have the mindset. You have to have a fighter's mindset. When I just saw Kiss a couple of times on the farewell tour. Yeah, I saw. I saw a show. amazing. Yeah, show. Still some old school guys bitching. For example, Peter Chris is not in the band. Peter Chris couldn't do that show. Right. It, it and it's nothing against him. It's just like you said, the gig shape is not the same. Uh, there's a two hour show, a three hour show. You have to be playing the whole time. You know, you got to practice a lot. You got to be ready to go. So I can see that if, if you, a guy like Izzy who'd been off for years, I don't even know where he is or if he was ever considered, but it might be hard to come back and jump right into that if he even wanted to in the first place. Right. You'd really have to, like you said, go to do the treadmill and do all the stuff and practice eight hours a day. And have the mindset to, to really like, we're going to do this. Right. And we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. Here. And, you know, going out, leaving your home for 12 weeks at a time or whatever it is, is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Right. You and I have been touring. We know how to to juggle family and get, like what you're flying back to Tampa tonight, yeah. flying to Liverpool for eight days, right? flying yeah. back home. You know how to juggle. You're in Los Angeles today. You know how to juggle. You your kids and your and your wife and get not juggled that's not the but you got to schedule everything so that your your yeah your family's still at the top of everything mm-hmm. but you got to do these shows so you got to it's a it's a whole like like almost military campaign mm-hmm. you know to get this whole thing together so that everybody's cool and it, if you're not prepared to do that mm-hmm. then it's 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 going to be very hard mentally on and physically. Yeah. Did you did you guys always know like you mentioned that this it was going to be a long term thing like when when the Guns N' Roses reunion quote unquote was it just to try it for a bit or did you always say we want to do this for the long haul? I mean, no, nothing was really said in those exact terms, but once you start rehearsing for this thing, sorry. Hey, uh, sorry, Jericho listeners. I have a dog who goes crazy <laughs> anytime somebody comes to the house. Hold on, let me, let me show right. these. I do have a, a joke. It's a little off color for me. All right, actually, um, a friend of mine. We could actually make this the live. We'll put the yeah. show on a Friday. So, so here it is: uh, the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hi, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan. <laughs> actually, I'm s- sitting right in front of you. A friend of mine. He uh, he uh, went and had sex with a, a pretty large gal the other night. And uh-huh. he, he got up on top of her. And he said, hey, can we turn off the lights? And she goes, what are you, a little shy? He goes, no, I just don't want to burn my ass. <laughs> <laughs> a little off color for me. <laughs> she, she was pretty large. I guess. <laughs> That's always my favorite uh, Duff McKagan jokes when you explain kind of a little bit of a travel as to where you are. I also like it when you get flustered and have to start again or you have to hang up and call back. Yes. Those are always good ones as well. Well, I can't, uh, for those listeners out there, I can't, Chris Jericho will never pick up the phone when I call because he, 
Well, you told me not to. Because one time right. I did, you're like, I'm trying to call a joke. Don't, don't right. pick up the phone. So I'll have to text him first if we have, ever want to talk to him on the phone. <laughs> this is not a joke. Call me. But if I don't know the joke well enough, yeah, I'll start. It's, it's, you know, the red light's on, man, when I call you. It's a, That's right. The voicemail, the red light's on. You I better be nail this joke. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> People will dig it, though. They've been sending in their own submissions uh, at oh. Talk is Jericho, their own jokes of the week. So it's become quite the. Uh, the oh, thing. we've got some, right? We have got some. I, I yeah, told the, the there couple. was uh, the Nobel Prize was I think one of the yeah, ones yeah, yeah. recently. Um, when, just just a, a couple of things about Guns N' Roses. So when you guys are still doing shows, you mentioned that you've done the Tenderness record. Slash has done another Conspirators record. Yeah, you which is the, something he started before. Before so there was there were certain agreements. Like, hey, man, I I promised. Like in Slash's case, they had already started working on a record and. Uh, there's something about being, you know, righteous to the people you played with. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so he, we agreed that, cool, man, if you, like do that and go do your thing. And we, we scheduled around it and he scheduled, scheduled around us and, and it's all cool. It's all copacetic and, and, and right on. And, and doing this record, it was going to, again, it was going to be a book, but it's, it's not a rock and roll record. So it's not, Tenderness is almost, almost got like an Elton John type feel, early 70s Elton to it. Wait, I was really going for like 70s. You but know. I've really felt that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Cool. It's, and so it's not, a, it's not, you know, I'm out doing a lot of rock and roll right mm-hmm. now. Loud rock and roll, which I, which I was born to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in me making this record, it's not a, uh, in any way, like a competition to guns. And for me to come off of this tour and make, a loaded record, a loud, aggressive, with these same topics. I think it would be another kind of screaming voice mm-hmm. in this time where we don't need any more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially about the topics. Not like I'm getting political, but they're they're gentler topics. They're more right. serious topics. The album is called Tenderness, just by the title alone. Yeah. You know. So I guess the question is: Is there riffs that you have in the in the can for Guns and Roses? Is there you have thought about doing any new material, or just want to keep doing live shows? Is that the secret? The secret. The secret. Uh, As I said, things are very positive in our in our. That's great. I mean, I think I think that would be for a fan the be all end all new guns and roses record i would think so too you know just yeah. to see but then again it's weird too because in 2019 what does that sound like you know yeah hopefully it would sound you know familiar i think it will i think you know this when you get just i mean i noticed when i i went and played five shows with with axel in 2014 right. tommy stinson I uh, had to do replacement shows. There was gigs booked in South America that Axel had booked. And at that point, he and I were, um, things were cool. I had, you know, run into him in, in London. Our hotel rooms were right next to each other. Of all the cities of all the hotels in the world. It's just randomly, right? Random. Yeah. And um, kind of like what happened to us in Winnipeg. Remember that? Yes. We stayed at the same hotel on the same floor. Had no idea. Stick your head out the door. I yeah. stick my other door. It's like you're two doors down. I'm like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the chances of something like that happening right. are, but it does happen. And um, so I went and played these shows. I rehearsed with the band he had at the time. Uh, and then I, we went to South America. And it was um, the, the moment that he and I got on the stage and played together, there was that kind of, there was that groove. And that was just two of us, you know? There was that kind of, inexplicable groove or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and um it was super recognizable it's like oh man there's that thing that we Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that we discovered in each other back in 1985 you know chemistry all of us had been in these other bands and all the stuff when we found each other was just like this chemistry right exactly that okay we found each other finally Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, having the, the three of us, you know, and starting this thing that the, the chemistry, and that's how we ended really. What the illusions tour was just the three the of three us, three of left. you, right? Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah, uh, the last two years of that tour really was the, the three of us, so it's it's not odd, like that's how we ended. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. 
there is that that familiar thing that the three of us have, and I, I couldn't put a finger on it, but it, but it's cool. I feel like you're the uh, the lukewarm water in the situation. We're talking about Spinal Tap, Derek Smalls. He's in between fire and ice, and he's the lukewarm water in the band. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to get into the details, but it yeah. seemed to me because you had jammed with Slash for years, and you had jammed with Axel again, that there was probably some common ground there between between you with each side. Oh, this busy place, man. Yeah. Guys all over the place. Um, but I think, I think once again, whatever goes down or doesn't go down, um, the tour was a huge success and people are excited to, yeah. to have Guns N' Roses back on the, on the planet again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I am too. You know, it, it's cool. It's cool. And it's cool in the way we did it. And it's cool, like, I think we'd all agree. It's just that we're on these these great terms again and, and have talked about stuff that happened before kind of realizing like i mean i know when i wrote my first book the it's so easy book and i started that thing to tell my my and the arc of my story was how did a guy who just wanted to play rock and roll get strung out and alcoholic and how did i get my way out of it that was my the arc that I, my intention but in telling that story i had to tell of course my life in guns and roses because that what was what what was swirling around me at the time you know and um i'd recognize that i told myself i it's just just human to do you don't want to live with all the, the dark shit you did so you start telling yourself these other stories maybe it was everybody else's fault it wasn't my fault <laughs> and in writing that book i would write uh, I'd be sitting on a couch, for instance, and one of my little daughters at the time would be sitting next to me, and I'd write 4,000 words. And and it would be a lie. Hmm. It would be a lie. Like, that's not the real story. Because you weren't going deep enough. Wasn't go- What's your part in this story? Huh. What's your real part in this story? Hey, perhaps you're partly to blame for this particular thing. Actually, maybe more than partly to blame. Maybe uh, you could have been a better motherfucker right there and not been so fucked up and so i really started to dive into that stuff mm-hmm. um uh and and it's it's not doesn't feel good to take responsibility for all this stuff but but in doing that it cleansed me more than all that sobriety had done i thought i'd done all the work in martial arts and really like taking responsibility for my actions but writing that book really made me do that and i think um we we're doing that as 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 a band like talking about old stuff and and some of it's pretty funny most of it's pretty funny you know mm-hmm. right <laughs> like we're just you know well the thing is you, you, i've had the same thing with guys there's a few guys just hate each other like back in the early 2000s in wrestling mm-hmm. and now really good friends it's like what did, what was what was the problem again why did we have such an issue with each other but you're dealing with kids and then adults who then yeah. realize how much respect there is with other guys who are at your level and your peers and your chemistry. Right. Right. I'm sure there's times when you guys sit there going like, why did we ever break up or whatever the deal was? Whatever. Yeah. Right. Whatever the story is. Yeah, exactly. And there's some stories that are pretty funny. Like, uh, Oh, I thought it was, it went down like this. Well, I thought it went down like this. And, (laughs) and then the third voice, Oh, I thought it went down like this. Like, why don't we just talk about it then? Because we were, you know, we didn't have the skill set and, there was a lot going on then. Well, there's too. a lot of alcohol and drugs and all that sort of thing too. And there was a lot of different outside people too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's something we try not to let happen now, you know. Like it's we'll just deal with the three of us. We'll talk about right, it, right, right. you know. As you should, you know. Well, let's do that. As as we wind down here, you mentioned something about being sober for 25 years. Do you even like can you even remember old duff? You know, dr- the wasted duff like no, I'll see a picture here and there that's, you know, uh, I put some in my book. Um, I'll see a picture when I was in that, that the worst of my, and I, I, I don't look alive, mm. you know, and I knew I was in a, in a, if you see, if I see a picture from, from different period, like 92, 93, especially 93 is the worst. It's, I look pretty lost. And I'm the opposite of that now, for sure. And it took me a couple of years in sobriety to figure out who I was. And I really lived like a monk 
for those two years, I just trained at the dojo twice a day. With your sensei, yeah. With my sensei, I would ride my mountain bike. I would read history. <laughs> um, didn't date girls. You know, didn't know how to. You know, <laughs> like right. Um, uh, what are we gonna? Do? Am I gonna go to a bar and meet? You know, right. Like, I thought well. Um, you know, I really I lived alone, and uh, it was uh, pretty cleansing. I started playing guitar again, and then the thing that really brought me back into music was Steve Jones, oh, our favorite know, guy, our favorite guy. He's yeah. like, hey, "You want to play a gig at the Viper Room? We'll put together this band." And I'm like, "Steve, I don't know if I can play sober." He had been sober for a couple of years. And he's go, he just said, and he's like my idol, you know, mm-hmm. Steve Jones from the Pistols. Yeah, I, I learned to play guitar copying him and and um and he uh he said you're gonna be okay mate it's gonna be you're gonna be fine and i just hung on to those words mm-hmm. and got to that first gig played the viper room neurotic outsiders neurotic, neurotic outsiders and people thought because they hadn't seen me for a couple of years and people like all these rumors start i, I had a facelift <laughs> and got like all this stuff which i hadn't i'd just gotten sober you'd lost weight too. i'd lost yeah. well all that booze weight that'll, right. that'll come off pretty quick Yeah, that water weight and the, yeah. it's just your liver stuff bloating yeah that's just like the elvis yeah that's, right it's just water mm-hmm. yeah so i lost that there's a hill in the hollywood hills that has that 50 pounds on it <laughs> from my mountain bike right it just came off yeah you know there's probably still dna on <laughs> wonderland <laughs> avenue it's a steep ass hill <laughs> yeah yeah um last few things so with tenderness like we said you have the european tour coming up are you, is there any more touring that you can do or, or when guns and roses goes in the fall is that a few shows are you guys going back out again um, I am uh, doing a U.S. tour, short one. It's, okay. a, it's about what two and a half weeks long. Mm-hmm. Starts in Philly on May thirtieth. Um, record comes out thirty first. We'll be in D.C., Boston, New York, Chicago, Nashville, Austin, L.A., up the West Coast, Seattle. Um, Were you playing in L.A. at the El Rey? Oh, okay, so you're playing yeah. some good theaters then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, there's you know, <laughs> it's not just seven people. Like, hey, I know the record. Play sweet child of mine, eh? Yeah, right. Um, I don't. I I don't think there'll be any of that because I I think I've been pretty clear. I've done a bunch of press for this record. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a thirty five hundred word uh, sort of mini book that comes with the with the vinyl, and that'll probably get out there. And it it it, it reads. It tells you the intent of the record and and. Uh, kind of the whole story around it and i think at this point too i mean it's not like you weren't doing anything before the guns and roses room you had loaded and walking well, papers yeah. and so i think people know velvet the, revolver, velvet revolver yeah. but you have your own your own thing going as well so i don't think people are going to expect <laughs> i've it. never stopped yeah right. except you know when i went to college mm-hmm. i even then we had loaded and it was like my college band like spring break <laughs> yeah. we'd go play japan yeah so uh yeah i've never stopped and and you know i i tour you and i tour a lot alike mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you just go yeah you play every night you take care of yourself yeah your your band's tours are a lot like loaded band's tours like you just go well they it's have bit, to be yeah you and play every night yeah and if you, you're touring on a bus across the country you a night off is everyone else gets paid but you yeah you know and you don't know what to do with that night off that's right it's the worst yeah i'd rather i just fly home now if it's for a day or yeah two days like we do five on and two off now and i go home two days a week right you know and i won't go to europe more than three weeks at right. the most i forget it it's not worth it right yeah we have this 13 day rule in my family can't be apart more than 13 days oh, okay so by hook or by crook i'll fly home mm-hmm. or susan will come out um, the girls now they're in college and yeah. Grace got her band and stuff, so that's different. But if I want to see Grace, like I, I got her on some shows. Oh, cool! Uh, uh, in Europe with what's the band called? Pink Slips. Pink Slips. That's they're they're killer. Yeah, so you sent me one of the songs. It was really good. Yeah. So does she sings. She sings. And does she play too, or just sing? She just sings. Sings. Gotcha. Yeah, and they have a, they have a new song that's on the top five on K Rock right nice. now. So they're doing well. My that's wife's really got cool. her novel, so she's been doing this book tour um family's doing good my other daughter may's in new york city in, in uh well, that's the thing though, as the family gets older and does everyone does their own thing you're the one that has to kind of come home to see them now yeah right yeah 
or I, you know, right, go to go to New York to see my my daughter. Yeah, which I just did. Right. And Susan was doing a book book things out there, mm-hmm. and I was doing press. So we got to see our daughter. But uh, yeah, it's juggling. <laughs> you know, it's juggling still. Yeah. Last uh, couple questions. What's your favorite song on Tenderness? Ooh, it's kind of switches around. I mean, um, I think the ending song "Don't Look Behind You" is because it sums up the record. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's probably my favorite. My brother Matt played horns on it. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and they, he played at horns on "Move to the City" back in the day. No kidding. Guns and and "Live and Let Die" and stuff. Oh, that's so we cool. got they were called the Suicide Horn Section. They played live with guns in, mm. in the days back in the day. Right on. And so I got my brother back in and got the Water singing group on that song. Uh, Who sang on "Knock on a Heaven's Door"? Oh, okay. So it kind of had these reunions on yeah. that on that song in particular. Mm-hmm. But I'm I, I am I'm very proud of the record, and f- the, the words I chose to to explain the stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't do one rhyme of fire and desire, you know. <laughs> action satisfaction. Yeah, none of that. So uh, <laughs> action satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm I'm psyched about the record. I'm psyched about the kind of prospect of social impact that I could have, and that's just again that's people helping other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm connecting one person with another person and uh i really truly believe that's all we can really do right now and i'm i'm so over the the cable news mm-hmm. and the bitching and moaning and whining and, and pointing fingers like i'm way beyond that mm-hmm. like let's just help, let's just each, help other each other, out. Mute each other. Yeah. who's your uh favorite or, or most intriguing historical figure mm. frederick douglas pretty cool uh, if you read My Bondage, My Freedom, he wrote that book. He learned to, to write. Uh, as a slave kid, he was just a genius. Mm-hmm. He learned to write by like, just by, by rote, basically. He was just a genius, born a genius. And, and the book stops when he escapes freedom because he couldn't, couldn't tell who helped him. Oh. So the, the story stops at Baltimore picks up again in upstate new york he's free mm. so he had he had to leave that all out oh wow that book and his life i think is is really truly astounding he became this amazing spokesman and, and uh orator and and educator and hmm. everything um there's a bunch of people i think are, are fascinating but uh i just got a frederick douglas t-shirt and cut it up um <laughs> at the uh, african-american museum in, in dc that's just opened up right on but uh, yeah, he he's a baller he's a baller yeah uh, and as far as uh, guns and roses what's your favorite oh, oh and grant grant, grant. isn't i just read the grant ulysses s grant or who yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah that's right gotcha fascinating guy alcoholic president amazing. right he became president, president right? yeah twice but uh, he's he cool. didn't want to be president at all but he was kind of just like, well, the country needs me, and they they want me to be the president. He didn't really know how to do Plus, that. Plus, anybody named Ulysses just fucking rules. Yeah, I mean, we need more Ulysses. Ulysses in the world. Yeah, which Guns N' Roses tune do you still like playing live? I like playing them all. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, I really do. I like the depth of a song like November Rain. You know, strikes me nightly and, mm. and estranged and coma. estranged is one I didn't get when illusion came out because i was only 20 years old and i wanted rock and roll Mm -hmm. that song may be my favorite guns and roses song it's so diverse so deep yeah and like wow it's just amazing right yeah coma's super fun and aggressive so funny you brought that into the set too yeah Yeah. very random we never played it back in the day because it's too hard for for axel to sing but now it because he's became become this 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 master that's one of the first he said can we play coma I'm like, really <laughs> there's a part in the middle where he he has to at the end where he has to like circular breathe mm. there's no and we were rehearsing that one i'm like man you could take a couple words out and he goes no mm-hmm. i can't i'm like if you took that word out you could breathe right there it's like i, I can't do that man that's I cool can't. yeah and no cheating no cheating yeah yeah so uh man but all all of them i'm just very uh, appreciative of uh us doing the thing again and the, and the feedback we've gotten from audiences that there's nothing like that and it's almost um, like the world's needed it rock and roll needed it because i'll tell you this as soon as you guys did the stadium tours yeah so there's no way that lars is not going to do a stadium tour and he did 
And that just brings more rock and roll. Yeah. You know, Guns N' Roses in the stadium, Metallica's in the stadium, Maiden's playing the stadium yeah. here in LA in, in September. I mean, yeah. I think that was all kind of, that kicked off because DC was playing stadiums too, but Guns yeah. N' Roses coming back and doing that opened the door for some of these other big bands to do it as well. Yeah. You know, which yeah. rock and roll needed. So For sure, for sure. I mean, and uh, yeah, next chapter. Okay, knock, knock, joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne who? Dwayne the tub, I'm drowning. Wow. <laughs> Chris Jericho, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Jericho's joke of the week. There it is. Okay. Thanks, well, dude. thanks for coming over to my house. Oh, man. Thanks for having me at your house. I know you got lots of stuff to do. So, you by have the way, more. Thanks for the uh, uh, peanut butter smoothie. You might get a little gassy later. Right? Really? I don't know how you handle that. It's better than the smoothie that Phil Collin made me. What'd you have? Like it had lemon germs and wheatgrass and carrots and spinach in it. This is much better. It tastes a lot better. Yeah, much better. Yeah. And it'll fill you out more. <laughs> there you go. So I put like a, a 95 grams of protein in there Thanks. for you. I'm yeah. definitely going to be gassy later. I better leave before I hit you, yeah. before I crop dust you. Okay. All right, thanks to Duff McKagan. Duff's new solo album, Tenderness, is out today. You can stream it and download it wherever you get music. And check out Duff on tour. He's got solo dates starting again, uh, May 31st in Philly. He's got Shooter Jennings on the road with him. As you heard, Shooter, very integral in the making of this record. And Shooter's band is also serving as Duff's solo band. It's a great show. All the dates and ticket info are on Duff's Facebook page. Check it out at Duff McKagan. And speaking of touring, Fozzie's headed west this fall. Head west, young Foz. We're doing the opening slot at the Los Angeles stop of the Iron Maiden tour on September 14th at the Bank of California Stadium. Uh, so we decided to book a whole tour around it. We're going to Denver on September 5th, Colorado Springs on the 6th, Grand Junction, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Crystal Bay, Nevada, San Francisco, Sacramento, Las Vegas, San Diego, Tempe, Tucson, El Paso, Dallas, Houston, Hattiesburg, Atlanta, all ticket info at fozzyrock.com. You can also buy tickets to the Fozzy VIP meet and greet we do before each show. One of the best in the business. We take pictures. We do a private mini set for you. We meet you. We greet you. So come hang with Fozzy before the show and join us. Unleashed in the West with Jared James Nichols and Sons of Texas uh, joining us. Go to fozzyrock.com for all gig information. And go to chrisjerichocruise.com as we get near the end of the line here in Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Part 2. We're setting sail January 20th. We are 86% sold out. Okay, uh, don't wait any longer. Fozzie's going to be there. Ric Flair, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Booker T, Queen Charmel, MVP, Brad Williams is the host. He's hilarious. Vicky Guerrero, Shaw Guerrero, The Vaudettes, Jack Slade, uh, Solo Cup Jeff, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson, Teddy Irvin's going to be there, the babyface assassin. Farewell to Fear, Rubik's Cube, Killer Queen, the Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols is going to be there as well, Kickaxe, legendary Kickaxe, and of course, uh, Diamond Dallas Page doing yoga, Beyond the Darkness, hosting more creepy paranormal events, and AEW is going to be there, the hottest new company in the wrestling world today. If you haven't seen Double or Nothing, go back and watch it on pay-per-view. If you want to see more, come join us at Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. AEW is going to be there. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com now and book your cabin. And don't forget, on uh, June 9th, Jericho versus Okada in Osaka, uh, New Japan's uh, Pro Wrestling Dominion show, Osaka Joe Hall. Don't miss out on this. Osaka Joe Hall is sold out, but you can watch the show on uh, New Japan World. It's a dream match. And after headlining uh, the biggest show in, in all elite wrestling history, I'm also going to headline another huge show uh, next week here in, uh, in Osaka, Japan. So that's all she wrote. Have a great weekend. Uh, and coming up on Wednesday, uh, the hits keep on coming after the huge, huge, huge John Moxley podcast, the John Moxley episode. I got Dustin Rhodes on Wednesday. The two big stars coming out of that uh, surprise stars were John Moxley and Dustin Rhodes. Dustin's going to be here talking all about his match with Cody Rhodes, leaving the WWE, uh, his great classic match with Roddy Piper, street fight they had at WrestleMania. So much cool stuff, so be sure to check it out. Have a great weekend in the meantime and in between time. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy! We'll see you soon. All right, Duff McKagan, go check out Tenderness and go check it out now.